Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Isaiah. This is Ed. And we are recording here on a very cold December day. Um, Speak for yourself, exact- man. Yeah, how's the temperature out there? That's nice. Like in the low 70s, high 60s. Sunny. Oh, what a dream. I just went through a bunch of snow this morning. Uh, a walk for like 20 minutes and so had soaked socks and everything, but... It was worth it. It's a winter wonderland out here in New York. I hope but, you were rocking uh, your uh, your UCLA hat. Yeah, I was actually. <laughs> I didn't even put that together. But I was the one that you got me. Yeah. Yeah. Just for these uh, occasions. Yeah, just for the snow, not for the games. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, we got some things to talk about. Um, one of the big things is football as that comes to a close in this past weekend, which was very heartbreaking, and we'll go over that, and then we'll touch on basketball um, in the current state as things continue to roll. Uh, but yeah, this, this weekend, it was quite a game for many reasons. Still have a hard How, time talking about it. Yeah, I don't think we've it. actually even, we, we've kind of swept it under the rug. <laughs> I don't know we haven't even texted about it since the game. Um, yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking. Uh, that was a game I would have rather lost 50-0 cause I would have had no expectations at that point. Yeah. I, I think even the ending, I guess let's go through it. I mean, unfortunately we have to, but first quarter, uh, there was, you know, we had, uh, USC started off with the ball and, um, had a few plays but we were able to get the ball back which was fortunate lakes interception lakes interception yeah that was a good start um to set off the tone and show that slovis is not uh, you know all world qb and he's he's come down and he's kind of had i wouldn't say a sophomore slump but you know um he still has his flaws in the herald system so we we got that and then we came back i mean dtr uh, I think he played one of his best games, uh, unfortunately, with a few... I mean, one of his best games of the season, but he had a few snags uh, that were very costly. Uh, but how did you feel about the first half? I mean, the first half was going perfectly. It, You know, the defense was playing well. The offense was putting up points. We were up 18 at the half at the end of Not that. Not yet. No, we were up 11. Up 11, and we, right, we got the ball back. So, I mean, I, everything felt good at that point, right? But uh, this game was also in many ways kind of a microcosm of the entire season because it was the same few issues that were kind of plaguing us all season that also killed us in this game. Um, that was, you know, turnovers, some questionable play calling throughout the game in kind of key situations. And that particularly evil third quarter that just seems to haunt us in every game now um, where we just suck on offense. And so those, all those things kind of reared their ugly heads again in the second half. And it, it, again, I can't put this game on DTR. I think, you know, I, I've been a critic of him for a while. He played very, very well this game. Um, you know, he did have the two interceptions. But, you know, one I can't completely blame him on. It was a good jump route, and the second one was, you know, he it was a little bit more on him. He, he, he shouldn't have thrown that ball. But, um, yeah, he, he played incredibly well throughout the whole game. I, I would argue he probably, for, you know, large portions of that game, played better than Slovis did. Um, so I can't put this on him. And... The loss really, I think, truly does fall on the coaching staff in this situation. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the first half, like you said, like we were humming. And I mean, even the tempo to get our first score with Fernia and just that like catching them off guard and that that quick, you know, I think it was an option play, RPO and DTR threw it real quick. And then even the, the Felton, like Felton obviously is the playmaker. 
of, you know, maybe the conference at this point. You get the ball in his hand in space and he's able to score and we're we're doing that. And so I think the one thing again as well as our, you know, our our secondary played, we just didn't have the Jimmies and the Joes to to compete with these crazy just insane plays that bailed out USC like the Drake London one was just like you're like okay we're up 14 and then bam this he just throws a you know a bomb and Drake London goes up the basketball player he is and he bails him out and brings him within seven uh and that was just such a crazy play what did he I think he missed like four to five tackles and just stumbled his way spun his way into the end zone and it was that. That's what we were concerned about. I mean, at the end of the game, even the last drive with Tyler Vaughn's just catching that crazy pass, you know, over Rashad Williams. It was just, it was those plays that continues to hunt us. And again, I I think both of us saw in the third quarter, when they scored those two TDs, we just played soft coverage. It's again, like, why are we adjusting to this? Continue to blitz. Um, stop with the soft coverage. I know last year there was just this one egregious play that Drake London was completely open in the middle. And, yeah, we didn't have any plays like that. Um, but on the edge, it was just like they just continued to chip away and chip away, no pun intended. And and it would put them, USC in a position to make a huge comeback in the fourth quarter. Um, we shouldn't be relying on, you know, a freshman kicker to kick a 43 yard field goal in the last minute like we should have never been in that position because we had control of this game and he nailed it by the way (laughs) yeah and he delivered and props to him but um yeah it, it was pretty disappointing and I definitely agree it was on the coaching staff and it you know, I, I didn't say anything, of course, but I think we all had a feeling of let's see how the second half goes. And then all of a sudden, uh, I still fell for it, you know, off the first drive where Brown had a great run um, into the TD. And that's when we went up by our, our game high lead, which was 18. And yeah, I mean, I felt like, OK, maybe we do have command of this game. But again, it's college football. Unfortunately, it's a rivalry and we were on the wrong side of it. Um, it would have been sweet to beat these guys because I think I've said in the past, like, uh, you know, I think this group of USC 2018 to 2020, this class, um, probably one of my least favorites. Uh, and I say that because I think they're highly entitled in terms of the way they play. I think they played under an undisciplined coach. Um, so and that reflects on him. I think these kids are no no means bad kids, but they tend to act out like as, you know, 18 to 22-year-olds do during that time. And while they don't have any accountability or discipline, and we saw that at the end of the game, we saw Amon Ra and these guys run over and kind of run over as if they didn't feel like they were, they were supposed to win. And I was like, these guys even seem like they felt lucky that they were supposed to win. And that behavior was just, I mean, it, again, you can if you win, you can act any way you want, you know, as long as it's not whatever, like that's yours. But it just reflected how I felt about these guys watching. Well, just besides that, even, I mean, you look at like Talanoa Hufanga, the kid's a punk. I'm just going to say it. He, he, he plays dirty in many, many plays and instances throughout the game and throughout the season. Um, he just he just rubs you the wrong way. I do want to say there was and he had one of the the best plays, unfortunately, you know. So it just feeds into that whole the guy rides off. You know, he doesn't leave feeling any type of humility from that game. It's not a uh, right, and that's not a comment on his talent. He's obviously an incredibly talented player. He's very good, um, but yeah, no, he he just he acts out a little bit um, even on the field, and I do think you know there. We didn't mention this, but there was, you know, some questionable officiating also. You know, there was a legitimate case for, like, Drake London being thrown out of the game on that Quinton Lake interception. Like, he targeted um, Lake on the tackle there, like, completely led with his helmet. Um, so, you know, there's there's also, you know, instances of that that, you know, were kind of... Um, unsavory I guess if you will yeah and I I just think it's something again this this team is 
top ten in talent. They have the talent there, and they're underachieving. Even a five and zero undefeated, they they've what they've come back in three of the games that they were down in yeah. this year. You know, and so just to see them act out, I get it's a rivalry game. I get you know these guys grew up with the other guys on well half the team because we've been getting a lot of out of like out of SoCal area, but still, it's just like they're just. I don't know everything about it embodies what USC and what we know about them and with a lot of people and it was, I just wish that we were able to humble them this year that they didn't have that over us because this group in particular like guys in the past like there's always one or two but this this team seems to have a bunch of guys that are just riding on the legacy of USC and they haven't accomplished anything I don't think there's one Rose Bowl winner on this squad anymore you know right. so it's like what are you guys doing you know um, yeah, and it's it's exactly, and, and you're you're totally right. And and a lot of that loss also came down to you know what we had talked about in the preview, and you mentioned this. We don't have the Jimmys and Joes, and their strategy at at the you know in the second half of the game was basically just throw long bombs at our at our DBs, and then one of their five star guys just come up with the ball and. If you do that enough, that talent's going to win out at some point, and you're going to get a 30, 40-yard gain. And that's all they did. I mean, it wasn't rocket science, and we just didn't have the, the foresight. Well, let me let me take that back. There, you didn't need to have foresight to figure that out. Like, we, everyone knew that was going to happen at some point because that's what they've done all season. And so we didn't bring any sort of safety help over. We left guys on islands. And it was, frankly, you know, we can talk about how good the receivers are and how, you know, whatever entitled they are. But at the end of the day, we do need to talk about our own team not being up to snuff to to defend those passes. And, you know, no offense to our guys, but we just also, our coaching, like we said, didn't, our coaches didn't put them in, in positions to win on those plays. And so it's, it's on our team at that, at the end of the day. And, and, you know, that needs to be addressed both on defense in those cases and more particularly on offense because, you know, the, I, I do think the offense or, you know, the defense played overall pretty well minus the third and fourth quarters, but, you know, it's hard to blame them when they're out on the field for 90% of the time and they're getting gassed. So, you know, it, it does kind of trickle back to Chip Kelly at the end of the day. It does. Yeah, I wouldn't be worried about these, you know, the kids behavior if we won. We would uh be like, yeah, stick it to them. Right. And so I mean, you know, looking at Chip, I think he called a good offensive game the first half. The second half, I, again, the third quarter, he just he tends to go conservative and just makes boneheaded calls. It just doesn't make sense. There's, I mean, you know, there's those fourth down calls that obviously stick out on our, in our memories for kind of helping blow part of this game. But, you know, what did you think about those? I I don't disagree with it going for them, but it was the play call that, that he made and the the personnel, like. Yeah, I actually, I don't think I, so here's, I'm torn on that because I, I, I think Keegan, there's nothing wrong with putting in a, a, a speedster like him, right? Because I think in the, the defense would expect, like in concept, it's not a bad choice, right? Because you expect Felton and, you know, I. but again, it's the whole thinking of Chip's overthinking it because Keegan missed the gap. That was on Keegan. Um, and But it was also the coach to know what Keegan's going to do at that moment, who hasn't had as many reps as Felton. Felton would have fell. If you notice the thing about Felton versus this year, he falls forward and he'll get that first down, which would have completely changed the game. Um, You know, Felton, one thing I noticed, and I think it goes down to Foster's coaching and also Joshua Kelly, is that Joshua was very good at getting two or three extra yards by the way that he was able to find a gap to fall in. I've noticed this year that Felton has taken on also that similar trait and it's been yeah, it's 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 been another thing, you know, tool in his in his box. And I think he would have been able to do that. I don't think Keegan's at that point yet. 
you know, and so he just got stuffed, like, and, and partly it was just him missing the gap, that was vision, and I think that comes with reps, and so I think in theory, but again, it was a, a personnel mistake on that front, it wasn't well, the fact that he put in a, a, a third string speedster, it was the fact that he didn't think that Keegan, that Keegan wasn't aware that Keegan wasn't going to be able to hit that gap. Well, you, you bring moment. up Felton, but, you know, you have also a guy like Britton Brown who, you know, I, I would be willing to bet he picks up that yard. The guy runs hard and runs violently with power. And if you want, and, and he's been playing well and hitting gaps. And so if you want to get the yard, why not get the guy who can push the pile a little bit in there if you're not going to put Felton out there? And exactly, because we have Keegan... Like, even versus Keegan, who's a speedster, right, versus, let's go back a few years, if it was Bolo, right, who was a freshman and he used to get those short yard gains, I think he even would have gotten it as a third string. So it's just that decision of knowing who's going to be able to hit those gaps for the short yard gains. Um, And you just mentioned Brown was someone who has experience and he's able to do that, pick up the yards. Why would you go with Keegan? Like who still is better in space? Who's more of Casimir? You shouldn't use Casimir Keegan Keegan for those type of plays just yet. They're not there. Um, so I'm completely yeah. It it is one of those things. Like it just goes back to the coaching. Like how we talked about these guys just overthink it. At you know at some point. Well, you and, you wanna you wanna talk about overthinking it? You wanna talk about the incredibly stupid fake punt? Yeah, I mean. That so you know funny enough, for our listeners, for our very two listeners, um, we uh, <laughs> I was watching it. And I actually joked. I was like, "Watch, watch us go for a fake punt at this very." Moment. You did say that, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh shit!" I was like, "Oh great." Uh, it was unclear was like, for a second if it was an actual fake punt, but if you rewatch it, uh, and and obviously now we know Chip Kelly's admitted to it, but. There were blockers going down the field on that like right side, so it was very clearly planned. And now he's said it's planned, but I, it just yeah, I don't think Acres w- was expecting uh, the the D line to, to get to him that fast. He looked like he hesitated, and yeah, we shouldn't. Okay, so here's my thing about fake punts, and I'm not a coach by any means, but they should only be reserved for the first quarter. And if you have the lead by two scores, not <laughs> at a point <laughs> where, you know, the other teams roll in and they could even easily just that that fake punt can lead to some points in their end. I think that one led to a field goal, if I'm not correct. Um, I think it was like 14 seven if I'm but still it was it's too close. I think, yeah, you can do them at the beginning. And especially once you already have some momentum, you're like, why not? We can take a hit there. But it just goes back to that. I'm just like, there's just there's so many things you can point to that just gave USC so many opportunities, and they it's not even like they took advantage of every single one, but they got enough to take advantage of enough to come back and win by how they won. Right, we gifted them enough points with good field position to to win by what they won by, but. The fake punt is just, I, I don't understand it. That was also not like a fourth and one call. That was like a fourth and four or five at least. And yeah. with a punt, you're already lined up, you know, pretty far back with the long snap. And so you're you're asking your, you know, one of your most unathletic players probably on the team to fake a punt, run up, you know, 10 yards or more to try to get a first down in a clutch situation just seems like a very stupid idea. And not that they're even capable, but again, these are true freshmen that are in right. positions. Like, you shouldn't have the, them in those key situations. Like, it just, yeah. It, and that goes back to the personnel choice. It's insane. I think you can live with going for that. If you just straight up line up as an offense and try to go for it, and if you don't get it, I, I mean, look, I think we'd be mad about it, and but we wouldn't be livid as a completely stupid coaching mistake. I think going for it on fourth down there would have been a defensible thing to do, but the way he did it was just not smart. 
You know, especially when you had a, a QB at the time. You know, DTR completed over like 80% of his passes in this game. At one point, I remember looking at his stats and he was like 21 for 23 and missed two passes. So the guy was, was passing it incredibly well. You know, our guys were catching it out there. So why not just try to run a pass play in that situation? I don't, I don't know. It just yeah, I mean, didn't make sense. It didn't. Yeah, and I mean, again, we got to give props to DTR outside of that that one pick from Hufanga, but he threw he was he had probably had one of his most accurate games like that throw to Fernier up you know between the seams that that got us the I think it was like a, a fifty to sixty yard TD. Um, it was just like that's what we need, you know, and it was those counters. Um, it, yeah. yeah, it was great. It was right after interception. It was just it was a perfect like sequence to just hit them right back. Be like, okay, Baylock got the interception, DTR gets the ball, throw it, just go for a big a big shot, let's start it off. And you know what that reminded me of? That reminded me of funny enough, when um Josh Rosen's uh first throw against Virginia in two thousand and fourteen Yep, I know. Um, no, 2015, you're about. 2015. The deep shot to Kenny Walker. The deep shot. Let's just start it off, you know. And it's like that he dropped. And that he dropped, you know. And again, luckily we had Fernia, who's much better hands than Kenny Walker did. But those are the type of plays that I enjoy and like revel in when we're just like, okay, let's catch them off their feet. Um, and I was happy to see that. But it, it was just this back and forth. Like we had these very clever risk taking that's that's like a good example of taking a risk right and it's not even really that big risky risk. yeah but that's what we should be going for versus a fake punt versus a fourth and you know whatever with a keegan jones like a fourth and what is it fourth and two i think it was yeah so those like there was those plays mixed in whatever we took the good with the bad but it, yeah it's very frustrating game we knew we should have won it but that's kind of been the theme for all three losses that we've had this season yeah it'll be I, and i do think you know we mentioned this i think gtr really i would give him blame him for really only one of those interceptions uh, the the hufanga interception i think was just an excellent play from hufanga like, Frankly, he just just made an incredibly athletic play. The second interception, I don't remember who he who intercepted it, but uh, he just I don't think he saw the linebacker DB that was underneath there, yeah, and that was on him. He shouldn't have thrown that ball. But the first the first one, I I wouldn't really even fully blame him. Um, and yeah, I mean overall, you know, I I. I can appreciate the heart he showed in this game. And, you know, again, he was very accurate. He made plays with his legs. He he was a gamer for all intents and purposes. And he limited those stupid mistakes that he is, you know, inclined to make sometimes, like running backwards when he takes pressure, when the pocket collapses, or, you know, throwing off his back foot. He didn't do that in this game and we saw the kind of the best version in that potential and that's what always brings me back to him and I know everyone seems to be really enamored with this aspect of his game he he shows these flashes against high competition where it's like damn this kid can be really 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 good but then against the Colorados and against some of the other teams, he just does boneheaded things it's it's it makes him more frustrating and a bit of an enigma um, and, and, you know, for him, it's, it's down to consistency. Um, so it'll be interesting to see now that, you know, we do have one more game this season, but whether or not he leaves um, for the NFL draft this, this uh, offseason. Yeah, and I, we'll get into that in the, in the last episode um, of the football season. Yeah. You know, predictions of all season, how we feel about Chip and the overall assessment, but... I agree. Uh, I, I think props to DTR. He always shows up for, well, I mean, it's been two games, but he's shown up for the two USC games. Um, unfortunately, it's just been uh, at the hand of losses. And, um, you know, I know he takes those games personally. He wants to beat them. So hopefully 
we will see if he stays and you know and how he develops next year but that's another conversation uh speaking of you know we 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 touched on conservative calling and uh someone who's known for that we're we are we're playing Stanford this upcoming weekend yeah and it's Shaw and his boys how are you feeling about that I mean Stanford is a better team now that they were um at the beginning of the season so that's obviously a little scary this feels like it could be a classic letdown game where these guys kind of put it all out there in the the big rivalry game uh last Saturday and now it's kind of like you know they're they're deflated I mean that was a deflating loss and you know it can be tough to rebound from that at the same time there's a lot to play here uh for here in this game is if they do win this will be the first bowl game that they could be going to um which is a big deal, obviously, for Chip Kelly, for recruiting, for these players who, you know, have played well this season and and, and deserve to get get an extra game out of it. And so, you know, I, I, I'm scared. I think Davis Mills is, is finally kind of living up to his potential a little bit more as, as Stanford's QB, and they're playing much better. Uh, at the same time, I do think UCLA is still the, the better team, but... And I know we kind of got that Stanford curse off our backs last season, but, you know, we do have that long history with, with Stanford. So, and coming off that big loss, it is scary. But I do think we'll, we'll pull it out. I think these guys want to go to a bowl game um, or, you know, at least be invited and be eligible, whether they end up playing a bowl game is another story. Um, and I do think that we'll be able to pull it out as long as, you know, we, we limit some of the stupid things that we've talked about. But I, again, I don't know if we will. Um, but I do think we're the better team at this point still. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think Stanford, I mean, let's look at their, their records three and two, but Oregon, they didn't have Davis Mills. Um, and then Colorado has proven to everyone to be a much better coach team, even though they took that loss this past weekend in their rivalry game with Utah. Um, you can just see the strides. And, I mean, I think people will have to remember, Colorado's had some good classes the past two years um, under Mel Tucker, so it's not like Carl Durrell inherited, like, you know, a bare cupboard. So outside of that, Stanford, you know, getting those two teams at the beginning of the season, um was pretty much a challenge and now you know they're on a roll three game win we saw them especially turn around against a Washington which would have been in a Pac-12 championship game assuming um they won against Oregon or they didn't play Oregon um so with that you know it's not like they've had some um you know losses that were against some some cupcakes and so but there are. It, it seems like Stanford is eventually getting into that mold of the of you know the, old, the Stanford we know the big O line, the big receivers, uh, you know a solid running back. Austin Jones was a four star, and someone re recruited, and someone actually, um, I think he's on MJD's team or Foster. He has a UCLA connection through coaching hmm, from high I school. I didn't know that. Um, but he was always going to go to Stanford as an Oakland kid. And, um, yeah, he's coming into his own. He's a stud, so he's someone I'm a little bit concerned about. And then uh, we just got to lock down their receivers. I think their receiving core is not as good as it was, you know, last year or even, I mean, or two years ago just yet. They're just a bit younger. It's kind of a similar situation with Arizona State. Like, those guys have talent, but they need a few, you know, they need the reps before they become comfortable, so I'm not worried about them. Uh, per se, but they right. are still going to be big. And I think that is, it's going to be interesting for me. That's what I'm going to be looking at is how are our big, um, like the Rashad Williams, like our, our corners handle those guys. Um, I think Quinn Lake is, a, if don't get me wrong, I think he's like six one, six six feet, six one as well. Um, so he's not as small as like Bay, Blaylock per se, but... Or Shaw. Uh, or, sh- yeah, Shaw. Like, I want to see what they're going to do with the, the bigger guys, like how our secondary is going to handle them. Um, I do think we're going to give Davis, you know, pretty much the most pressure he's probably had, maybe aside from Washington. Um, so I am I'm excited about that. 
Uh, but I think, like, I'm still expecting a close game. I know they won by three against Oregon State, but I think we pull it out and win by seven points, um, especially with them coming down to the Rose Bowl. It's not on campus for them. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's the ESPN game at 4 p.m. Pacific time. And I do exp- – this is not the Stanford of the old just yet. They're trending that way. You know, they had a down year last year, but um, I think we get them. And I hope we do so we can finish the season four and three. Yeah, it'll be uh, – it's an important game, I think, for Chip Kelly and for the program and these players. And, and hopefully we can actually, you know, deliver in this in the, in the situation. Um. Yeah, we'll see. We do have other some exciting news on the football front. Um, it was National Signing Day yesterday. What do you think of the class? Um, I think we're almost there. I'm really excited how things turned around. Uh, I know, like a lot of us, especially going into the USC game, there was like a few recruits that we were hoping that could sway to UCLA's way, and we were a bit concerned, like, oh, the world's ending after Chip Kelly chucked this. But, yeah, yesterday we had a few surprises. We had um, our biggest concern going into signing day. Our class was ranked, I believe, 69 at some point. And, again, rankings before the day isn't a big issue um, because we know, like, certain schools close differently. But right now I believe we're 45. And if, you know, we end up – we have a few outstanding booms, so we're going to see what else comes. But – Yesterday, we addressed a lot of key areas, and that's what I was happy about. Um, we brought Kirkwood back, which was exciting because we were sure that it was just going to be a Sarah kid. I mentioned before, like, stop recruiting Sarah. I um, <laughs> will gladly uh, take that <laughs> and eat, eat, you know, and, and, and uh, I'll take that L on that end. Um, because also, I mean, Scott Oldenburg, he does a fabulous job with those kids. I just, they, USC just has so much influence over him. And I, it's, it's always frustrating to see like a pro diehard UCLA head coach, let his kids go to USC. So I was happy to see yesterday, just the sim- symbolism of just him with, you know, a UCLA top, you know, player on his team. I know that I was happy for him. and I felt the same way. Um, other than that, we had Quentin from Arizona, from Damian Sellers High School, Seguero. That was pretty exciting because uh, he flipped from Michigan. And the thing with him is that, you know, people, if you do notice, he did drop in the rankings because he hasn't projected how he was two years ago. And he was a high four-star, arguably on his way to a five-star. But regardless, I think with our D-line and what Nansen's done, I'm excited to see what he does with him. Um we also we picked up another guy out of uh, out of Alabama, which was committed to Oregon, and that was even before signing day. But he he flipped over I think on Monday or Sunday, if I'm not correct. Yeah. But from Oregon, so that was exciting to see. Josh. Yeah, Moore. I mean, Josh Moore from Atlanta, which is I think it's always good to have a footprint in the South, you know, and hopefully Morrell comes up, you know, on, back on the fold on Friday and follows Kirkwood's lead as recommitting. But no, I mean, I was pretty happy. I, I don't I'm not really big on. Um, I mean, I do want the Jimmy and Joe's. I want the Fongas and, you know, the, the Tyler Vaughn's. But as long as our schemes are elite which they seem to be outside of the play calling that's been frustrating the past game which has been hot and cold um i think our players will excel i'm, I'm happy to see like other players that were sleepers uh jump up and i'm expect- expecting josh moore you know to be that guy he has the measurables and you know from his highlight tapes he's a gamer and the story on him is that first he was a stanford commit then he got the offer from usc jumped on usc and then usc actually decided they weren't going to take them or they fell out of communication so uh ucla jumped on it and i think it was a good play um because clearly he wanted to come to the west coast to academic school um and i think he made the right choice but yeah how did you feel what were your thoughts no i i agree with you i think we closed a, a pretty solid class we addressed some big needs that we had had outstanding 
um, you know, especially on the D at line. Um, we've got a lot of good old linemen, so hopefully, you know, we keep building on the, the success of the old line this season um, with a new an influx of talent. Uh, one thing I was disappointed about is we still really don't have a, the quarterback of the future locked up. Um, and I know we, we said we would talk about this later, and we will, but, you know, in the event DTR leaves this season, our quarterback room is uh, a little suspect. Um, you know, Chase Griffin, I think we can win games with, but, you know, again, we, we've seen how limiting he can be in terms of the passing offense. Um, you know, we do have Colson Yankoff, who is currently a wide receiver for some reason, but we could see him switched over, a former four-star uh, QB transfer, you know, might be back in the fold. But other than that, you know, we have Parker McQuarrie, who is a a four star guy from New Hampshire. But you know, he's he. I don't know if he fits the current system's mold. He's a much more pro style quarterback, so I don't know what the plans would be for him. Um, and we brought in one guy from kind of my my home. Home uh, Valley from San Jacinto, um, Kajia Holloway, who again is a is a good. He has a lot of potential um, and some talent there as a as a dual threat quarterback. But you know, there's still some question marks about him. Uh, so it's it's a little dicey in the quarterback room if DTR were to leave. Um, that was kind of a big concern. We went after Jackson Dart who committed to Southern Cal, unfortunately, which is incredibly frustrating because they also have... Um, Our other target. Yeah, they took changer. Miller Moss. They, they just they keep getting these you know multiple four- and five-star QBs every class, and um, we, we kind of whiffed on that. And so that was my biggest concern. But other than that, I think, you know, the, the class is shaping up to be be a solid class and and you know like you said we have a couple of outstanding booms from ethan young meaning we'll get a couple more commits um could push our class up a little higher i'm hoping one of those is morell um i do think we needed a more more running backs in the fold and and you know getting a talent like morell would be really great um and then there's guys you know that will sign later on um in, in February, and so, you know, this this isn't over yet, right? Like, this class can still be fleshed out and built out, but um, we're, we're off to a much better start than I thought we were going to be at this point, and I do, you know, I think one thing with, with Chip Kelly and one criticism of Chip Kelly has been his suspect recruiting, um, and hopefully... And now we might have said this in the past, this is a turning point for him in terms of recruiting because as, you know, that SC game kind of demonstrated, if you don't have the talent, oftentimes you're still going to lose even if you, you know, perfectly scheme against a team. Um, and, and I'm not saying we perfectly schemed against a team in this case, but, you know, the talent difference was just starkly demonstrated on on uh, last Saturday. So, you know, we do need to bring talent in and recruiting is incredibly important for setting up, you know, the future of the program. And, and hopefully this is a sign that, you know, things will keep improving on that front, but you know, we'll see. Yeah. I think it also speaks to, I mean, there's still a good chance this class finishes in the top 30 um, with the, the guys we remain in the hunt for. Um, we have a, f- a potential four and three season, um, and so we're just hovering both above five hundred, and we're and there's a chance that we're still a top thirty, um, which just shows like UCLA will continue to have that sleeping giant narrative until it actually has a coach that's able to consistently win. Um, so even with someone who is so like unorthodox with their recruiting approach. This is a Chip Kelly. Uh, his last class last year finished 33, just outside of the top 30. But I think the first one, again, it was kind of passed on from, you know, Mora. And I, I remember, I think it passed. When did, where did it finish? Like top 19, if I'm correct? The one 
Yeah, something like that. I don't remember. can go back and look. Yeah, but to that point, like, we just, yeah, it it is, it's one of those things, I I think, even if we went on a run, and we saw it last year, I mean, remember after the three-game win with Stanford, Colorado, ASU, um, we hit Loya, we got Loya, we got Vons, we got Sellers, like, it was such a big recruiting stretch, Um, even with, again, our coaching staff. Um, it is it, it is interesting to see like what's gonna happen every season. Like we get frustrated with the unfilled results, but as soon as there's some glaring, kids are gonna come. And then other thing is that you know one of the most interesting things about COVID, there's two things at play: eligibility, right? No one's losing a year, and then right. second is the transfers. Um, the transfer market is larger than ever, and we have a lot of people going on the market. And we already have two transfers, the one uh, linebacker from Notre Dame, and then a wide receiver, Cam Brown, who we spoke about before, you know, who originally was committed to UCLA, um, has flipped back. But um, I think on that front, like, let's see what Chip does with there. I'm, I'm going to evaluate that, you know, more so for this class, more so than other years, but... Uh, I'm curious to see who we can pull out of there because even as we speak, I see Arizona's QB, uh, Grant Gunnell, is going into the transfer portal. And there's I don't know if we want to want to get Grant Gunnell, but there was news that we were going after um, transfer QB from Baylor. Yeah, Charlie Brewer. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, and then there's also this one from Texas, you know. So there's going to be guys out there that we're, we're going to reach out to. Um, and I think if anybody has a chance to, to feast on that or take advantage of that, just given the spots that Chip Kelly just happens to keep open um, with these classes, I think we do as UCLA. And, and maybe we can get some more of these serious kids, like these kids who've had some experiences and kind of know what they want in a program um, and are okay with a coach uh, who's not a player's coach like Chip Kelly who's more of a CEO. Our uh, our last transfer QB beat SC, so that's right. We were pretty ambivalent about his arrival, just given his his ride in Ann Arbor. So yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, uh, but that's I guess that's it for football. We we can touch back and you know see how this weekend goes to give a better idea of how we feel about the season. Um, now yeah, on to football. more more fun things. Yeah, uh, should we talk about quickly about the girls? I guess we can start with the girls because they they followed up and took care of business against SC on Sunday, which was good to see. Yeah, there was a second rivalry game, and we actually won, so I was happy about that. Yeah, it was a little bit of solace, you know, but still um, blew them out. It wasn't even close to begin from the first On the road. Quarter. On the road in Galen. Um Michaela was awesome. Osborne, who is now making waves uh, nationally as one of the best sophomores, was awesome. Um, yeah, and these two are becoming a deadly combo. And, you know, everybody else is kind of filling in a role. I am excited that, you know, Natalie, I just like the, the prospect of her playing really well. Um, Chow? Just because, yeah, like... Because I know, I remember, I don't know if you remember her story. She was talking about her experience of being mm-hmm. Asian American, uh, you know, Asian American and Chinese. And so it's cool to just see her do well because I'm all for people from different backgrounds breaking the barrier. Um, so she's someone I'm personally watching on the team. But um, yeah, now the girls kick butt and then they are, they have a game coming up pretty soon um, this Saturday. They are playing uh, Cal and Polly, who is 0-5, so they should pretty much take care of business. But it's at noon, um, and you can stream it on the UCLA site. Saturday's a busy day for UCLA sports. Yeah, it is. It's going to be one of the most packed days this for this COVID year. Um, but yeah, girls are doing well. Do you have any thoughts on them before we move over to Mint? No, I think you, I, I mean, like you said, I, I'm enjoying watching them. They're, they're rolling. I mean, you know, they had that tough loss against Arizona, but other than that, they've been really, you know, pretty dominant. Um, and and it, it's exciting to see them keep winning. Um, and, you know, hopefully we, 
we get revenge on Arizona later in the season. I believe they they come down to Poly to play us again. But um, yeah, it's they're they're always a joy to watch. Just just sound sound basketball from them, and and you know. I, I think this team is deep enough to, to make a deep run in the tournament. I think they, as they keep getting better throughout the season, um, you know, we'll be able to, to really gel and come together when the, when the, uh, the time comes for, for the tournament. And so, I'm, again, I'm just excited to keep watching them uh, grow as a team and, and get better and keep winning these games. Um, you know, the Pac-12 is really good. And so, you know, being... Once the Pac-12 competition is starting to roll around again, playing those teams is just going to make them better. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's nice having two good, solid basketball programs right now. The women really being kind of the 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 program that's been consistently good for years now, and and this season's no different. Yeah, go girls. On the other side, we do have Mitt Cronin um, and crew kind of rolling now a little bit. Um, we didn't really talk about the Marquette game from last Friday, but you know that was a big win for us. Um, you know, Marquette went on to, to upset. They beat a ranked Wisconsin team before they played us. Um, they came into Pauly. They're They're a good team, and we just... That game had a feeling of a, of a March Madness game because it was just such an intense back and forth. But we kind of ground it out at the end of it. And, you know, we just were able to have our big guys inside really feast on, on them and just play tough defense and tough basketball. And that was, you know, the epitome of Mick Cronin basketball in that game. Um, and... I really liked what I saw. There was no folding. There was energy throughout the the game on defense. Um, the effort level was there. The consistency was there. Um, and I do think that offensively, we moved the ball really well and created a lot of open shots. Um, sadly, we did not have a good shooting night necessarily. I think we were a little cold on that front. Um Very. You know, particularly from guys like Juzang, who, you know, are coming in um, off an injury. But, you know, he was getting good shots and moving well in the offense. And, and the flow was there. We just weren't able to, to knock some of those buckets down. But I do think if we had hit some of those open shots, we would have beat, you know, Marquette by a lot more. Uh, it just felt that way because we were, we were playing so much better for a long stretch of the game. And to do that against a team like Marquette is a testament to how quickly we've kind of turned this team around um, since San Diego State Pepperdine. Um, and that largely comes due to, to Jalen Hill being healthy and playing in the games. Uh, he just unlocks the defense so much more on the offense and just we play better. Um, so I think, you know, that game against Marquette was incredibly encouraging for me. Um, and then Marquette went on to beat, I think, number nine Creighton at the time on the road. So, you know, being able to beat a team like Marquette is a very, very good sign. Yeah, I, I do think um, that may end up at the end of the season be our, our most important out-of-conference win. Um, I, one thing I was really impressed by is just our interior D. And how we held down Garcia, I mean, he shot three for 12, you know, and um, he wasn't able to, you know, do everything he wanted to do. I mean, he even missed his three-pointers as well, um, you know, on, on the perimeter as he moved out there. And then also just how we we also contained the bench guys as well because they had two guys that came off the bench for the guard and the forward position, and they weren't able to um, to do much. So... I was happy with our defense. You mentioned the cold shooting night. I mean, Hakez is just continues continue to show that he's just a gamer. He does um, everything. Does everything. So that's cool to see. Um, and if we can keep that, if we have a feeling that's consistent, it's someone we can rely on. You know, as um, Ju Zhang, you know, gets into rhythm and gets his reps. And then Singleton hit a few threes, which was nice to see. Bernard, and Bernard. Is con- 
I mean, I think he is one of the key stories besides Hakez. Of like, man, he is impressing me. Just even how he finishes, it's, uh, you know, he had some strong finishes in that game. Um, so, yeah, I'm really liking how, again, deep our unit is and how well we're playing. Kaiman, I'm, I'm excited to see him get into rhythm. Uh, he hit a three, but outside of that, he didn't really shoot well. Um, and I'm just hoping Chris Smith picks it up because his his offense was, you know, or at least scoring at least was not that great. Um so yeah, it's, that's a that's a point of concern because we're expecting him to we need him to be great for us to be at the next level. We do need him to be great at the same time it's feeling like, you know, he's becoming less important in a way as long as he plays good defense, which he did play good defense in this game. Um but offensively, I I think, you know, when we came into the season, we thought he was going to be the go-to guy. But it feels like we have other options now that can take over in a game. You know, this game was largely, you know, Hawkes and Bernard. And Bernard has been playing incredibly well on the offensive side. And we know he can play good defense. Um, and it, it feels like Juzang might end up actually being that guy. He just seems to have much more of a, a natural feel and instinct for the offensive side of the game. And he plays pretty good defense so far too and it only being his you know second game in in Cronin's system but you know he feels like a guy that as we as he gets his legs underneath him a little bit more he will be able to hit those big shots and be able to create the offense a little bit more um the other key to that is you know having Tiger Campbell keep playing the way he's playing because he's been playing out of his mind um just the, the assist to turnover ratio has been incredible, and he's just this drive and dish game has been on point. Um, no pun intended there, but he, uh, yeah, he, I mean, Chris Smith, I think at this point, feels like it's safe to say he doesn't have the killer instinct to kind of be the guy to take over a game, despite having all the physical tools in the world to do that. He just, doesn't seem to be able to do it mentally like he just doesn't isn't that guy um yeah which is fine and i think as long as he's a guy who can contribute and take over when at certain points of a game and score when we need him to and in in spots when he has the ball and not miss those shots is fine but i don't think we necessarily need him to be that like go-to scorer um, you know, ISO player that we all kind of were expecting him to become at this stage in his career. Uh, I think we have enough options on the team now with you know, Juzang and Bernard um, contributing to, to the offense to be able to score enough points to win games. I would love to see Smith emerge as that guy. I, I, I think it would be good for him in terms of his NBA draft prospects if he could, you know, show that instinct. But I just I just don't see it at this point. Like you can't have you know back to back, you know, quiet games. And I know he scored like 19 points in the game before, but it was still kind of a quiet 19. And in this game, he didn't score until the very end of the game, really. And so, yeah, it's uh, it's it is what it is with him at this point. I think, and I, I think it's it is a little concerning. But at the end of the day, I think we'd have enough firepower with the other guys now to to overcome any shortcomings Smith may have on that on that end. Yeah, you may have a you may have a point. Um I do think we have so many wings that can score in their own ways that uh it, it can cancel out Smith, but I think we're just a better team when he's on. Um That's fair. So, um and I think it, it secures us, you know, making sure that we're uh, able to be in that conversation because at the end of the day, I think for most UCLA fans, you can say we're biased, but we know this team can be consistently a top 12 to 15 team, and that's being conservative. I think all of us are excited to see what we can do in the tournament um, once we start flowing together. Um, yeah, and, and I will say kind of before we go off the topic of Smith, I think is um, – his greatest kind of asset right now has been his three-point shooting. 
um, players are, have been, for whatever reason, sort of sagging off of him. And he's been hitting threes at a like 50-something percent clip right now. Uh, so he's he's improved on that front, and so if he can provide that as a starting, um, you know, forward slash guard in this lineup, uh, I think that is of great value because there's not a lot of other natural shooters on this team who can hit from range consistently, um, you know, minus really Kaiman and 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 Juzang. We know Bernard can can shoot it from there, and Singleton shoots it from there pretty well as well. But you know, those guys are will probably come off the bench at some point. But, you know, as a, as a three-point shooter, he's looked pretty good. And so if he can continue to just do that, I think that will be incredibly valuable. Yeah, and we're going to need that on, uh, on Saturday as we now take on the Buckeyes. It looks like Kentucky. Um, Weird swing of events, <laughs> as, as everything is this year. And so I think we get a better opponent while saying that before they play Purdue last night, but I still think they are. Um, but I'm excited to see how we do on the road versus, you know, a team in their home state. Um, <coughs> sort of their home state. Isn't that game in Chicago? No, it's in Cleveland. It's in Cleveland. I don't know why I thought it was in Chicago. It's in Cleveland, so we're gonna, they're not traveling too far. They might even be on a bus. Um, but they just lost to Purdue last night. Um, Zed, I, I know we watched a game. Yeah. And what are you expecting from Ohio State on Saturday? So if their starting center is out again, um, whose name is, is escaping me, I, I think we have a very good shot of having Hill and Riley just feast down low. Their big guys down there just were not very impressive, both on the offense and defensive side of the ball. Um, I think they had the two guys. One of them went to Cal two years ago for the past um, two years. Yeah, they're, um, that was, they're one of their guards. Yeah. No, no, I think he's a forward. Oh, well, maybe he's playing he? Oh, I thought yeah. Suing was like a small forward guard. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Because they had, so there are two, I think the two bigs that they had starting were um, Zed Key, who is a brother-in-arms in terms of names. <laughs> um, he didn't do a good job last night of representing the Zed. What? I said he didn't do too good of a job of representing the Zeds. No, no, night. he didn't. He did not. Um, and uh, then we had their other guy, Young, who, you know, was... Both of those guys just uh, have experience. I think Young is a senior on that team, but they just, again, they just don't have the the... They just haven't been playing great under in the paint, and so that gives us a, a big advantage if Hill and Riley can can take take them down low. Uh, we should be able to kind of beat them up a little bit there. Um, their guards are quick and can shoot it pretty well. Um, I think there's a chance that they give us some some trouble there. Uh, what did you see from them? Yeah, I mean their guards are quick. Um, they're shifty. I do think they had they struggle with the zone a bit um, and penetration at times, but other times they didn't. Uh, I I I just I I'm not too stressed about like the guard play per se, unless they just have a hot streak of shooting. I mean they didn't shoot that well against Purdue, and Purdue didn't. You know both teams didn't really shoot that well, um, but they sh- really they shot twenty five percent. Um, so with that, like if they keep shooting like that, I think we'll be fine. Um, but yeah, I think it does start it down low, as you said. And the big man they're missing was EJ Little. So that's someone we'll see if I don't know what his status is currently. Or if he'll be back. But if if that doesn't happen, I think it limits the guards abilities to really to, to work, especially if we have Hill and Cody down low. Right. Um, so, yeah. I'm not, I mean, I, I know this is, you know, it seems like a team that just had an off day, and I'm expecting more from them against UCLA, against UCLA especially, uh, but 
I, I expect us to grind out a win, and I think we'll pull away in the beginning of the second half. Um, similar, well, Marquette, they gave us a little bit more of a fight, but, um, yeah, I, I think we'll get there. Yeah, I, I think they're, they're definitely a beatable team. It gives us a good opportunity to get another ranked win, um, or a ranked win, hopefully, uh, to, to help our resume out a little bit. But, you know, I, I don't think we should completely underestimate them. There were, they were ranked for a reason, but, you know, they do have a couple of key injuries. Um, and so hopefully we can take advantage of that and, and get the dub on Saturday. I think it would go a good long way of kind of um, improving the resume and, and, you know, showing East Coast media that this team is, is good because, frankly, I think we were – robbed a little bit from getting not not being ranked after winning against Marquette last weekend um, especially when a team like Duke is still ranked which just really grinds my gears I know people on Twitter have been all over this but it just really bothers bothered me um, and it shouldn't but you know I, I just it makes no sense but there's a little bit of lack of, of respect for for Mick Cronin and the team right now and you know, I think overall I, I, that lack of respect is something that, you know, I think Mick Cronin kind of feeds off a little bit and, you know, has that chip on his shoulder to to keep pushing these guys. Um, and so, you know, hopefully he uses that and to keep keep getting, getting more out of the team. But, yeah, I, I do think that it gives us a good resume booster if we can beat Ohio State. Yeah, and... Um... I believe this is our last game before we, we start conference play. I think we, we play Oregon on the 23rd on Wednesday, next Wednesday. So um, it'll be a good challenge for them. Um, and especially just, well, not start conference play, but continue conference play. Right. We play Cal. But, um, yeah, it, I, I think it's a good – everything has, has steadily gone well in terms of the path. Now the other note I want to make is Long Beach State. We were supposed to play them. They got canceled. I just feel like that's again, continue. <laughs> again, until they get their shit together or they're vaccinated. Um, so that game is still up to um, up to chance. We do play it, uh, depending on which USC week we decide. I think we have one US. We have two USC weeks, but one of them um, will decide to play. You know, squeeze out Long Beach in there because we only play USC that that week. Um, so that's another thing to note, but yeah. Well, USC is currently, uh, shut down. They're, yeah, they're they should just keep it program. shut down. Well, uh, they should just shut it down forever. It's not worth, worth its salt, but yeah. Um, so, I mean, who knows right now it's, it's so up in the air. Anything could happen. Um, especially right now in California, I, I can't. I can't imagine, I guess, that this is all going to go off without any further hitches. Uh, I, I think there's a very high likelihood that things get canceled, rescheduled, reshuffled. So, you know, I yeah, guess we're the going team... right into. Sorry. What were you saying? No, I, I was just going to say the team just needs to stay on their toes for in that regard. Yeah, because um, we're going right into the thick of it. But this is another thing with implications is the conference implications of um, we're one and eight, I believe, against non-conference. Or maybe, I think maybe three and ten against actually uh, all non-conference. But we need to win this game because Arizona State's been trending down, which is fine for us. Because um, as long as we do our part, we still get a conference bid. But it just... It does. They lost to UTEP our, last night. Yeah, I mean, look at that. They're not doing well this season. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, show the East Coast that we are a pretty good team. It looks like online that you know most people know that UCLA is being disrespected, especially if you have schools like St. Louis ahead of us. Um, and and two other and two schools. Duke is still two still and two Duke. Me. Just riding on the coattails of uh, Coach K's um, very marginally successful seasons over the past few decades, but uh, yeah, let's let's get this win and and keep it rolling. Big weekend coming up. Yeah, Saturday is uh, is very busy. Not that not that I have anything else to do, but 
it's uh, it's going to be a busy one. And then also, as as Bruin fans, we got to continue rooting for Marquette and San Diego State to continue winning. So, um, yeah. Yeah, San Diego State's uh, also being, I think, slightly underrated. I think they came in at 18, and they yeah. definitely look like a top 15 team going forward. I do. I would love to see a, a rematch with them, with us being full strength now. Uh, I do think we could, we could uh, take them, and and you know have fare better against them. But you know, I do think that they're being disrespected, and that's going to be our only loss. Then I can live with that, especially as the first game with two guys out. Um, you know. There's there's no shame in that in that, but I think they're 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 proving to be a much better team than anyone initially thought uh, to start the season. Yeah, I mean that'll be fun if we can play them in the tournament again, but we will see. It'll be one of those like Kentucky, the year we, the Lonzo Ball. Oh God. Um, year where we play Kentucky, but hopefully it's the reverse of that, <laughs> where they got us in this. We got they got us in the season, but we get them in the tournament. Yeah, that sucked. Triggered. Um, but uh, okay, we're um we're running out of time, so we're gonna jump off. Uh, and we will catch you next week. All right. Uh, enjoy your very Bruinfield Saturday, and go Bruins. Go Bruins.